What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 181, and we'll be talking about Stargate Atlantis' episode Before I Sleep. Which Before I Sleep. Normally, yeah, you go in like... You know, before I say, and it's like this is not one of those episodes. This is this is like you know, yeah, no, you gotta gotta keep it cool, gotta keep it. Keep this it, keep this it a is a much, somber. much chiller episode. Absolutely, absolutely. So, friends, hi, we're an independent podcast, and if you like to, if you like what we got going on, you can support us if you wish. Uh, we're at buymeacoffee.com slash walking through, or the easier way to do that is to go to our website wtts.space. space and Sorry, click on the. Okay. <laughs> Coffee cup icon on the bottom right. And when you click on that coffee cup icon on the bottom right, you can uh, buy us a coffee or two or five or whatever. You can buy us as many coffees as you want. Uh, And if you want to support us on a a monthly ongoing way, you can click on the membership button. And uh, right now we just have like one level of the membership. We're calling it the general fund because it's general. It costs us a few hundred dollars to run this thing. So, you know. Uh, if folks want to kind of get behind that. And then I was thinking to myself, if, if we get to the spot where we cross that kind of like, uh, support, then Zach and I will talk about what to do. That's cool and awesome for people. Like, but you know, stop. Number one is if you're like me and you like what certain artists are doing and you just kind of want to be like, yeah, it's just support it. Like, it's fine. You know, like then that's, you know, we appreciate it. And a big thanks to JD for, uh, supporting us most recently. Um, he has gone on there and, uh, now it is, it is on the internet and therefore it is now true that, um, that our predictions are crazy, but, uh, we still do good work. So thanks JD for that. I appreciate that. Yes. And, uh, that was very funny. And so you can go on there and make, uh, make snide jokes at our expense too. But, uh, I think you have to, uh, sponsor us a little bit to be able to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that you could just put comments on there, uh, <laughs> but no, anyway. you're not allowed to make fun of us unless you pay us money first. That's right. It's like it's like the dunk tank at the county fair. <laughs> um, <laughs> all the proceeds go to the Kiwanis. Anyway, uh, we um, also have uh, some wish list items. And that's right. I forgot. To, uh, so Zach and I were, were were finally back recording number one after, you know, he couldn't do it last week. I couldn't do that the week before. And then got to be honest, friends, today, it's not like all, today almost didn't happen, but like there's there's stuff happening that got in our it, way. So it, it almost it almost didn't get recorded this morning. Yeah. Yeah. It's happening because we it's persevered because we're here. But we're recording. We got wishlist items, and uh, the reason why I even brought that up is because I was going to talk to Zach about another wishlist item thing, but I forgot to do it, so we'll, we'll do that next time. It's fine. And uh, yes. There are uh, machinations in the world. Oh, yeah. There's always machinations. I mean, we're just like, we're just like, we're like terrible, evil uh, masterminds, as in terrible as in like, we're not actually evil. So it's just like, ha, 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 I'm going to come up with a plan. there are just wooden shoes being tossed into the machines as well. So who knows? Yeah, yeah that's right. But, uh, you know, we come up with we come up with dastardly plans, like giving everybody pudding, like, you know, they wouldn't see that coming. (laughs) (laughs) So we we should do the entire podcast like this. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of speaking of Zach, we haven't talked about it, and I still think this is a great idea for our 200th um, uh, uh, having a portion of it with sock puppets. 
I mean, I think I it's, love I think that it's idea. a really good idea. And then I was also thinking about that more about how, uh, friends, what you could do is that you could have either super simple sock puppets, like literally just a sock with a super simple background or a simple sock with a very elaborate background. If like, dr- if drawing backgrounds was your thing or like, or, or constructing that kind of, was that's like your creative outlet. You could do that. Or if it was the flip, if you were like a fiber artist and you wanted to make complex sock puppets, but the background was kind of stupid, like you could put it on a white, like, you know, just boring thing. Or if you were like really into this, like visual art thing that we're kind of thinking about and you were like, I can both make an amazing sock puppet and an amazing background, like go nuts. Like nobody says, but one other thing that I was realizing is that there has to be like rules to this. So last time, I think that we said like your audio content could only be like a minute long or something like that. I think the same is true for the for the sock puppet idea. Like it could yep. only be like a minute long. And we note, note, dear listener, right now we are saying a minute that may change. Oh, yeah. So if, don't take this podcast to be the official rules. These no, are no, no, no. The, the attempts at making official rules, but we're not at the official rules yet. As we get closer to 200, it will be become more solidified. However, uh, the the general principle of like don't don't stress quality. <laughs> like, <laughs> get out your phone, get your sock puppet, <laughs> hit uh, record, yeah. and then if 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 we need to do a little trimming, I think we could do a little trimming. But you just you just focus on getting your sock puppet talking. That's all. That's all you need to worry about. I, I will say this, Brent. Yeah. As one who has done a lot of video editing in the last three or four years now. Yeah. Uh, dear listener, if you do decide to participate, and I hope that you do, and you record, like 99% of your phones out there can do this. Oh, but yeah. Now, there's two ways to hold your phone. One is yes. vertical. One yes. is horizontal. Yes. The horizontal is correct. The vertical is incorrect. Yeah, please, please hold it horizontal. Yes, please, please, please. Anyway, okay, yeah, we'll okay. get we'll we'll get more into the rules later. But uh, I was going on and on about that because uh, wish lists. I don't remember how. Whatever we got some wish list items on. <laughs> Buy me a coffee if you want to contribute to that. Uh, a couple right, of so so Brent. Yeah, shall we tease them about what, what we our are wish list thing? thinking about uh, in our machinations? What we are thinking about. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Doing. But Zach, the challenge yes. is that I want you to do the teasing. However, I only want you to use thirty words. Go. We are thinking. Oh shoot! I already failed because I didn't use thirty words. Thirty words. <laughs> things are happening. They might come back. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> That was 12. Uh, <laughs> I didn't want to overspend. <laughs> you got to save those 18 in case you really need them at the end for the boss. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh. So for, in, in, in all seriousness, folks, um, we are thinking about uh, bringing some things that have gone to the wayside uh, and bringing them to the foregrunt in a new, forefront in a new uh, yeah. way. Yep. So. Yep, yep, yep. So that's there. Also, a couple things for some technology stuff, if you wish. And then also a uh, hilariously awesome wish list item. If you want to hear us uh, record a couple more episodes of the non-canonical animated series Stargate Infinity, then you can chuck some bucks towards that. And if it funds, we'll do it. And if it doesn't, well, then I'll remain a happy camper. 
So. And we don't want Brent a happy camper. <laughs> <laughs> so. If you've got friends in your life who you want to hear, uh, if you want to say to them, listen to this guy, just get raked over the coals because he has to watch some cartoons, um, then, <laughs> then you can you can tell them and they can find our podcast on a lot of places like Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts and Amazon Podcasts and iHeartRadio Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. Uh, and on the website, there's a little player there. And uh, my personal favorite, any podcast aggregator, uh, just search Walking Through the Stargate and you they will find us. And they will be able to enjoy our work such that it is. So, yes. Zach. Yes. yes, Brent. If a person wants to uh, reach out and let us know that, um, uh, that, that they cannot make, uh, they cannot insert their hand into a sock to make a sock puppet, or they cannot have a friend insert a hand into a sock to make a sock puppet, or they cannot... Uh, put a sock on a stick and wave it around <laughs> as a sock puppet. Uh, therefore, we have to abandon this entire plan of ours for the 200th episode. How might they? How might they reach out and let us know that? So, if you have a genuine sock puppet phobia, ah, or even okay, just yes. a sock phobia, okay, and yes. you think that this entire idea that we have floating around is absolutely and completely insensitive. To you and your uh, concerns, uh, you can let us know by emailing us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. That's right, yes. Uh, and, and let us know about your phobia and, and, and why we should abandon this entire procedure. Yes. Um, uh, and, and we will happily listen. Um, yes. What we do after that is to be determined, but we'll, we'll at least listen. Oh, yeah. To you. yeah, yeah we yeah. definitely will. Um, or if you want to tell the entire world, I guess you could go to Facebook. It's yeah. not as toxic as Twitter. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Facebook, <laughs> with the Facebook page and the Facebook group. It's called Walking Through the Stargate or Walking Through the Stargate. Yeah. Uh, and you can join and follow and subscribe. And I don't know what all the buttons do. Uh, just do the buttons. You could just click and, the happy buttons. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Click the happy buttons. Uh, and, or you could go to the website wtts.space space, and there you can get a link to the Discord. Yeah, In the Discord. You can talk to all the people who are also on our Discord channel. Yeah, uh, and and share your thoughts about sock puppets and phobias and thereabouts. Yeah, I got nothing else. Yeah, and uh, you know, it, it uh, Discord is not anywhere close to as toxic as Twitter, but uh, give it time. Give, give it time. It'll 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 get there. So just not today. It's not today though. It is not today. And so long as Discord maintains its current form of limiting communities, so like like our like I, I'm I'm part of two or three other Discord channels, but mm -hmm. they are independent of each other. Mm -hmm. And so the only people who are doing the walking through the Stargate Discord channel are people who enjoy the podcast, enjoy yep. Stargate, and such. Yep. So so long as Discord holds on to that general model that necessarily uh, reduces the size of the social media communities into something that is not everybody. And that by itself is going to radically reduce and maintain the reduction of uh, internet toxicity. Yep. Yeah, it'll be fine. But uh, I do not have any doubts about the ability of corporations to ruin things. It hasn't happened. 
and I'm not saying it's always and 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 nor does it and and ruining is incremental and complex and it's not linear. I'm not saying anything like that. I'm just acknowledging there's going to come a point where I'm probably going to turn into an old man and go discard discards the worst. Discards terrible. We need IRC back. I'm going to make an IRC server. So we're not there that, but don't worry about that. Right. <laughs> you either need your coffee or a drink. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, no, we're not going to do any. Uh, we're not going to do any festive mead for this one. No, so. no, no. This is not a festive mead episode. <laughs> no, it isn't. <laughs> Citizen Joe was a festive mead episode. Yes, it was. Not. Yes, it yeah. was. All right. Um, okay. With all that, Brent, shall we yeah. dispense with the pleasantries and get right down to business? <laughs> get on with it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this episode, before I sleep, was directed by Andy Makita. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh, this is a name that we've heard many, many times in SG-1. Yes. Uh, but this is the first time we've heard his name for Atlantis. Oh, okay. Nice. Uh, this is his first and only Atlantis credit for this season. Okay, uh, yep. But All we right. will hear his name several more times as the seasons progress. Very nice. Uh, the teleplay for this episode is Carl Binder. And again, that's hmm. a name, name that we've heard from SG-1. Uh you know, not not all the time, but he's yeah. popped in every few bit. Uh, this is his only credit this season for Atlantis, and like mm-hmm. uh, Makita, we will actually hear his name pop up a, a little more often as we uh, get further into this series. Very good. All right, we have some guest actors. We say hello to Paul McGillian, mm-hmm. uh, Craig Veroni, and David Nickel, who plays Doctors Carson Beckett, Peter Grodin, and Radek Zelenka, respectively. Yep. Uh, we say hello for the first time to Gildert Jackson, who plays Janice. Uh, yes. He's known for the fireside reading of. So in 2022, there was like 18 episodes. That's not true. There weren't quite that many episodes of like the, the fireside reading of Peter Pan and the fireside reading of stuff and yeah. fireside reading. And so he did a whole bunch of those. Yep. Um, nice. Uh, in 2013, he was in Who Done It. And in 2017, he did Castlevania. I'm not certain if that's mm-hmm. the TV show or one of the, the myriad uh, video game voices. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, his first IMDb credit came in 1995 in the TV movie Larson's of Las Vegas. Uh-huh. Uh, it didn't actually note what his character was, but he was in it. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, we also say hello again, technically, to Matthew Walker, who plays Moros. Um, it's again, technically, because he actually played, uh, Roham in the episode Touchstone in season two of SG-1. Okay, nice. Right, right. You remember that old guy there? He's oh, like, yeah. Have you found a Touchstone yet? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Anyway. He was like the king or something or like, yeah. you know, yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, so he was born in 42 in England. He's known for Alone in the Dark in 2005, The Wicker Man in 6, and Little Women in 1994. His last IMDb credit came in 2017 in one episode of, this, of a series of unfortunate events. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I mentioned, he was in an episode of SG-1 back in season two, and we'll actually see him in future episodes of SG-1. Oh, nice. Uh, okay, and cool. in one of the uh, made-for-TV movies, The Ark of Truth, uh, uh, he'll pop up in that as well. Very nice. Uh, so we'll see him again. 
his first IMDb credit came in the TV series Stingray in 1987. He played Captain Rabin or Rabin or Rabin or Robin, I don't know, R-A-B-I-N, <laughs> in the episode, The Second Finest Man Who Ever Lived. Uh-huh. Aha. <laughs> uh, sure. <sighs> and then we also have Malia McClure, who plays Malia. This would be the female ancient. Yep. She has only three IMDb credits to her name. Oh, wow. Okay. This one. Uh, yeah. One episode of the show The Immortal in 2001. And yeah. her first IMDb credit came in also in 2001 in the TV series Seven Days when she plays a female concierge in the episode Crystal Blue Persuasion. Oh, okay. That's huh. what I got. Okay. Uh, the original air date for Before I Sleep was February 18, 2005, which is, of course, the same day as the episode Citizen Joe aired. Yep. So if you want to know all the things that happened at that time, you can go back and listen to Citizen Joe. Yes. Now, I do have some trivia for this episode. Are you ready? Yeah. Yes, I am ready. Okay. So in this episode, we learned that it's Dr. Weir's birthday. Yes. Well, it turns out that this episode aired on Tori Higginson's 35th birthday. Oh, hey. Very nice. So there you go. Happy birthday to Happy birthday. Tori Higginson. Uh, the episode title, of course, refers to Robert Frost's poem "Stopping by the Woods." Stopping by Woods on a snowy evening uh, in his New Hampshire collection, and my, uh, in 1993, mm-hmm. uh, 1923. Sorry. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That makes more sense. It, it's Robert yes. Frost, uh, and of course, the the last line goes, "And miles to go before I sleep, and miles to go before I sleep." Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about a traveler who rides through the forest and gets that gets snowing and snowing every minute, and he cannot really rest until he reaches the forest owner's place. His goal, uh, as he promised, uh, uh, was getting to that uh, place, so he can't rest until there, which kind of uh, mirrors or parallels Weir's long watch over Atlantis um, in that. Yep. So, there you go. Uh, in this episode, uh, they compare Atlantis to roughly the size of Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, that's right. Right. So, yep. I mean, that that's actually kind of cool. I've kind of, you know, it's been one of the things, we've got a big city there, um, but we don't really know how big it is. And now you just imagine that. So you've got a, you know, the whole island of Manhattan and and you've got like 60 people there. I mean, now it's like closer to 45 because a lot of people have died. Yes. But, geez. <laughs> it's, it, this is reminding me. Okay, you, you carry on because I'm going to have to really think about how to find the name of this, this story that I found. And Manhattan was a piece of it, which doesn't okay. tell you anything. But I will totally recommend it once I find it. So here. So, so okay. you carry on. I'll, I'll. All right. Um, we, uh, just a quick note that we do have Holly Dignard. Who plays uh, the old Doctor Weir? Um, so basically, I think she's like the, the stunt double. Um, who's you know when when you need uh, we need to have old Doctor Weir in the frame and regular Doctor Weir to be seen as well. That's her. Yes. Um, and it's a different woman, and I can't remember her name. I was supposed to write it down after I watched something on the DVDs, and I forgot. Um, but it's a different woman who plays the young Doctor Weir when. Tori Higginson is playing the old Weir. Gotcha. Um, okay. So then, so then, 
a lot of those shots where I was like, wow, they're really doing a good job with uh, with Tori Higginson here. Th- that's actually not real. Like th- th- it was two different people. So, yeah, like, like when, for instance, when uh, the young Dr. Weir was sitting at the bedside of old Dr. Weir and we were close up on her f- old Dr. Weir's face, she was talking, blah, blah, blah. Yes. The, the makeup was Tori Higginson. Um, but then it was this other woman who was playing the arm or the neck oh, and the, you know, a little bit of the I head uh, gotcha, of, of gotcha, it. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so, so then there was a couple of shots then that still were pretty pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, they, they did a pretty good job of, of uh, mixing that up so that yep. uh, it looked very real. And by um, the way, Zach, the story yes. that I'm thinking of, it's, a, it's, it's like a multimedia uh, speculative fiction. Uh, it's really, really good. It is 17776. That is the name of the story that I'm thinking of. 17776. 17776. Yes. Highly I- recommend it. And now, is this like a short story? Is this a novel? What is this? It's a short story, but it's all online. So, but I, but I hesitate to say anything more just because the the experience is a part of the experience. So, okay. So, Google seven one seven 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 six. That's right. And yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see here. And this episode was nominated for a Gemini Award uh, for best makeup. Oh yeah, I can see that. Yep. Um, this. Title is Before I Sleep in English. Um, the French call it The Great Sleep. And the Russians and the Hungarians call it Before I Would Fall Asleep. Uh-huh. And the yep. Germans call it 10,000 Years. Oh, Germany. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't tell, it doesn't tell you. It, it definitely is the point. It's, it, it is the yeah. point. Yeah. So, yep. Um, okay. With that, um, I... It's time to turn down to the synopsis, and as yes. we alluded to earlier, uh, there were some things that were happening that prevented, almost prevented a recording this morning, yeah. uh, and also it, what it did prevent is me being able to write up the synopsis. I promised your listener that this is not intended to be a new thing that we do all the time with GPT, no. but uh, it is what happened today. Oh, it's also, it's also just charming. Like, right it now, is- the... I mean, the, 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 the tool is a fun thing to play around with. It's don't, don't use this for anything serious, but, uh, you know, Hey, have some fun. Like, okay. yeah, I think it's good. So, yeah. So, uh, so you want me to, you want me to read what I wrote? Well, not um, me. I didn't write it. <laughs> I, I, I'll go either way. You tell me if you want to read it or you want me to read it. I can read it. I can read it. All um, right. this is, so I asked, uh, chat GPT to write up the synopsis in the voice of Dr. Elizabeth Weir, because it seemed to make Ooh. sense. This is her story. Yeah, so, uh, so, so this is, this is the account um, as if it was Elizabeth Weir writing about this episode. Ready? I'm ready. Okay. I remember a special day when John, out of kindness and respect, gifted me an earthenware pot, a piece of Athosian craftsmanship for my birthday. It was during that time that John, Aiden, and Taylor wandered about the city, exploring every corner. While Rodney, ever the ambitious one, dreamed of grander quarters from his control room post. During this time, we found something extraordinary. Seemingly abandoned by her people, an ancient woman lay preserved in a chamber that that resembled a chirogenic pod. Rodney, always a scientist, theorized that she was living in a state of suspended animation, growing older at an excruciatingly slow pace, destined to perish due to her extreme age. 
Carson protested, but I was convinced that we need to wake her. The secrets she could hold, especially about the zero-point modules, were too significant to overlook. When her eyes fluttered open, she observed us silently, listened, her gaze penetrating each one of us. Her first words, it worked, held an air of triumph before she surrendered to sleep once again. Amidst all this, we found a scrap of paper with Stargate addresses, one of which was M7G677, a location already known to us. Upon her next revival, she made a startling claim. She was me, Elizabeth Weir, but from an alternate timeline. Carson, ever the skeptic, confirmed her claim through a DNA test, while Rodney realized our initial power cut could have been a disastrous co- could have had disastrous consequences for her. Later, this older version of myself shared her harrowing tale. Her Atlantis was different from ours. The lights glowed, but the consoles remained inactive. The city's shield failed almost immediately, leading to tragic losses, including Colonel Marshall Sumner. The city rapidly sank as the ocean rushed in due to lack of a failsafe mechanism. In their final moments, Rodney perished in the floodroom gate room, the flooded gate room, but his sacrifice enabled the rest of the team a slim chance of survival. Together, Shepard, Zelenkia, and I boarded a distinct puddle jumper that somehow had the capability to travel back in time. We were thrust back by 10,000 years, but were immediately confronted by wraith darts. Despite Shepard's brave attempt to fend them off, we crashed. I woke up in Atlantis, being treated by a man named Janus. He told me that Shepard and Zelenkia hadn't survived the crash. I was later brought before the Council of Ancients and pleaded for their help. I asked for a zero-point module and use of the time machine to return to the exact moment when we first arrived. My request was turned down. The Council was firm in their resolve not to tamper with time. They did, however, extend an offer for me to join them on their return to Earth. The only support came from Janus, the creator of the Time Jumper. He suggested a plan to extend the city's power generation by using just one ZPM at a time. He also introduced a failsafe that could lift the city if power levels became dangerously low. He then ushered me into the stasis pod, which was set to awaken me every 3,300 years, allowing me to manage the ZPMs over the next 10,000 years. When the ancients finally left, I sent Atlantis into hibernation and entered stasis myself. My older self managed to provide us with invaluable information about the Stargate addresses leading to ancient outposts with ZPMs, just before she passed away peacefully. I scattered her ashes from the Athosian pot, overlooking Atlantis as the sun painted the sky with hues of goodbye. A chapter had ended, but the story was far from over. The end. The end. That's pretty good. That, 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 that was do, really right? good. Yeah. That, was, that was really good. I was impressed. Very impressed. Yeah. Okay, so Brent. Yeah. Uh, you've watched the episode. Yeah. You have now read the synopsis in the yeah. voice of Dr. Elizabeth Weir herself. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? That was pretty good. <laughs> I liked it. I thought this one was the second best time travel story that I've ever seen. Mm. Yeah. Um, it's not the most interesting time travel story. That one is Primer. Um, and... Uh, I think that I would call um, another movie, which I will kind of keep to myself as one of the better time travel stories. Uh, but 
this one was was definitely in there, partly because it did such a good job of dealing with all of the uh, conundrum, conundra, that happen with time travel stories that we typically just kind of like wave our hands over when we're just trying to have a good time. I mean, they were mentioning Back to the Future and McKay was like, oh, don't even get me started. And and <laughs> and, and yeah, I mean, like like from a from a causality point of view, it's like, boy, this one's a hot mess. Uh, but it's a really fun story. So we just were like, yeah, fine. It's, it's fine. It's fine. Um, Primer. I loved Primer. And that one is really complex. And I think it does a really good job with the causality problem. Um, it's really, really good job. But anybody who's seen it also knows it basically blows your brain apart. So, you know. I don't think I've ever seen Primer. Watch it at your own risk. Yeah. Like okay. it's really is it a, is it a good. movie TV series? Mm-hmm. It's a movie. Yep, a movie. Yep. When did it come out? A while ago. Uh, okay. Maybe maybe fifteen years ago now. Maybe I think. Oh, wow. um, okay. Okay. Uh, super well done. And this one I think did a really 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 good job because what it did was that it gave us a person with knowledge of the uh, of the past but a past that was separated from our knowledge. Like, like we know next to nothing of the uh, Atlanteans. I, 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 I'm getting confused. Is it Atlanteans with an, that starts with an L or Atlanteans that starts with an A? So I keep hearing it different ways. I, I think they say it different ways. I think uh-huh. officially and when it's all said and done, they do kind of land on Lantians with an L with just an L. Yeah. Um, but we're not we there yet. We do sometimes hear an Atlantean fall into the mix as yeah. well. All right. Well, the Lanteans, we don't ha- we don't really know much. I mean, we've got some written records, we got some, you know, there's there's stuff in the same way that we know about the ancient Greeks, but we don't really like know them. And so here's a person who is from a different timeline but gets separated and then isolated in a way that connects her with a group of people that we don't have a connection with. And then through a very realistic storytelling plot, keeps her isolated the entire time. And then when she is reconnected with this, with our version of the universe, is only able to tell a really small amount of information, very important, extremely helpful, critically helpful information. But still, just like kind of that, that's it. And then the retconning that was able to do, which I'm not even sure the retconning was necessary, but it was re- just done really just, it was clever. And then bang, she dies. And not in some tragic way either. She just, she just passes away. It's like it, it and then there you go. There's no, there's no more risk of uh, informational cross contamination. Um, you know, the, the, the argument of what would happen if, uh, you know, if our universe's, uh, heroes never intersected with this other uh, Elizabeth Weir. That 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 question kind of becomes moot because we don't really know. Here we are going forward with this little piece of of information. I'm suddenly realizing that there might have been a couple of Star Trek stories that did an okay job with this one. I really didn't like it when Star Trek started going all crazy with the temporal Cold War. I thought they lost their way on that one. Yeah, yeah, like that that, that failed. Like like it just it just gets it just gets too complex too fast. And so, but this one was not. This one kept it simple, and in keeping it simple, it kept it plausible, and in keeping it plausible, it let the story actually unfold. I was just as wrapped 
with the un with the unfolding of this story as our heroes were in listening, at least as it was conveyed on screen. Everybody's like leaning forward and really paying attention. And so yeah. was I like, as, and I thought that that was an extremely effective way of, of telling the story. This story is not in and of itself that enthralling, not really right. Um, the Atlantis team travel through the gate. Everything starts going wrong. It starts going wrong catastrophically and fast. There is nothing that can be done. Uh, our heroes, a, a fraction of our heroes escape in a lifeboat uh, that then immediately gets shot out of the sky. The last of the expedition is revived by a group of people who are literally walking out the door. Um, there's a little bit of a renegade moment that allows for a couple of tweaks to happen and there you go. We now have the beginning of our Atlantis story. And and when I say it like that, that's not really that's not incredibly interesting. It's it's mildly well, it gets, interesting. I would just like to insert here that if you look at it from the other perspective, it's yeah. perhaps even less interesting. The team finds an old woman. Yeah. The old woman tells her story. Then she dies. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. The the really good thing that I think that they did here was tell the story in little bursts under the auspices of it's a really, really old woman telling it and she can't tell you the whole thing all at once. And in doing yep. so, it creates these little artificial moments of tension. Like, what happens next? And I, I felt like I was literally on the edge of my seat in the exact same way that our characters were on the edge of their seat. Like, well, what happens next? Like, I mean, clearly... Clearly, it worked and didn't work. Clearly, what you did influenced what's happening now. How does that all connect together? Ah, that's how it all connects together. And then she passes away. So, like, I, I thought that the pacing of it was just perfect. Just absolutely mm -hmm. perfect. Mm -hmm. And I thought the acting was really, really well done. Um, I find it interesting how so many younger actors seem to get the portrayal of age wrong somehow. Um, yeah, like it always feels a little inauthentic, and you could just you could just tell. Um, I'm imagining uh, Colonel O'Neill who gets aged to like 97 yes. years old, and all of a sudden he gets a southern ah! accent like ah! this because whenever <laughs> you get old, all of a sudden you have to go southern. Oh shucks! Yeah. No, I but need my shuffleboard because I'm <laughs> old. I've never played it before, but now that I am, I have to. <laughs> Whoop. But uh, Tori Higginson just nails it out of the park. Like her portrayal of age in this one just felt really authentic where, um, yeah, but, you know, obviously the physical body is absolutely just done. And the mental, you know, her in her situation, her mental facilities are still keen, but she fatigues really fast. Makes sense. Yeah. And between those factors, it's just, you know, like a sense of relief and a sense of accomplishment is there. A sense of, of joy of seeing some people is there and a sense of fatigue is there. And then, you know communicating the important information and then 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 finishing the mission so such that it is like like that worked out really well and then and then uh Tori's portrayal of 
of alternate weir and that experience just felt on point you know it just it just felt you know, very normal and very good and then and then her portrayal of of our weir um i am starting to wonder if uh if dr elizabeth weir only has one shirt um you know, can we, <laughs> can we maybe find a couple more for her, perhaps? But uh, I don't know. Maybe she really likes that one. It's fine. You um, know, on the Enterprise, that's true. Card only ever wore one shirt, basically. You're right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. That was his uniform. That's right. That's right. Her, that's her command. That's her command tunic. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just thought this was really well done, and and it was and it was it itself kind of had to be delivered as well as it was for it to be received by me as well as it is because if it was off by a little bit here or there it kind of would have it kind of would have it felt like it was really delicate like this Mm -hmm. was a really delicate story and they did a wonderful job telling it because if they had if they had screwed up a part of it it kind of would have crushed it a bit and it wouldn't be anywhere close to as good but i think they did a really fine job so i really enjoyed this one what about you what'd you think yeah so i agree uh it's a really strong episode and i enjoyed it uh some of the things that i was thinking about and noting um, as you were talking is uh, one, when when Old Weir is recounting the tale uh, and we're not actually watching her but she's just recounting it and we're like actually watching on the screen what's happening to young Weir in the alternate timeline but you still hear in her voice that fatigue of Old Weir. Yep. Uh, and it would have been so easy for that to have uh, subtly disappeared and it doesn't. Um, which is great. Uh, and, and of course, they do have some clips from the pilot episode Rising. Yes. And they seamlessly merge that with new material as things are different. Yes. And I was watching very carefully because uh, I, I don't know how much you were aware of what was going on. And us, but, you know, since I've seen this before, I knew that this was very similar and yet different. And mm-hmm. I was trying to place where they were making the cuts you know where are they trimming this and shifting this and i couldn't find them yeah yeah it felt like all of the stuff that was new was original to rising and it wasn't because it was a different story yeah and different things happened but i mean it was just like the editing there was really well done yeah um you know uh i think that uh they also did a really good job of um, keeping the Lanteans simple. Um, yeah. You know, you have the gruff guy who's like, nope, we're not doing this, you know, time travel thing. It's just messy and I'm not dealing with it. No. And I mean, you could have, you could have easily just taken that character over the top. Um, you know, I mean, he, he, it's not often when our heroes get a no. And you're like, I still feel sympathetic to the guy who said no to my heroes. Oh, yeah. Because he's right. Well, sure. But regardless of whether he's right, we still want our heroes to, you know, get what they believe they need. Sure. Yeah. Um, You know, uh, so just that was I just appreciated that. Then, you know, I mean, you you had the the Atlantean woman who kind of feels sympathetic to things, but she's not going to. um break the rules yeah and then of course you've got janice who um is able willing to break the rules and and do all of this stuff um but it just those characters are simple characters 
uh, and they only have a really a singular dimension to them. But I think that's a good thing because if you had tried to make them any more multifaceted, uh, it would have clogged up the story. Yeah. Also, it wasn't their story. This was Weir's story, and she interacted yep. with these people for only a short period of time. Yep. And so when when I'm telling my story and I interact with some people a short period of time, it doesn't matter how complex they are. They are as two-dimensional as my story needs them to be. Yep. And they do that. Um, you know, so just keeping everything in that uh, we're first person mm-hmm. um, was smartly done. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's just a great way to... Let, let's, let's give our heroes... Some addresses for where ZPMs should be. That's that's huge, uh, and it's done in a way that felt um, very very natural and smooth, and you know definitely sci-fi because you don't get yeah. much more sci-fi than than time travel. Um, but also done in a way that kept things uh, clean. It but and I appreciated how. I didn't think that the pilot needed retconning, um, but it did strengthen the overall conceptual story, right? Like the heroes arrive on Atlantis, things start to light up, and then it pops like a cork out of the ocean. Right. Um, And that all felt very deus ex machina, but I mean, hey, it's it's the ancients. I mean, there's a whole lot of ancient stuff that we've run across that feels deus ex machina, right? Like, you know... The, the chair with the little, uh, you know, with the little light up jellyfish uh, attack things that <laughs> that yeah. uh, O'Neill got into and saved the day. Right. Like um, there's 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 tons about it, about the uh, that the of the ancients that it isn't that what they built was fantastic. It's that getting access to it is the is the hard part. Once you get access to it, good things happen. But the story is in getting access to it. That all makes sense. Like. Right. It's fine. The struggle is in the getting access to it. So here we are and you hit a couple of buttons and we don't really understand it. And like, you know, you know, pop, out, out, out of the ocean it comes. And I didn't really think that that needed shoring up. But here we are telling a story that's compelling that ends with the ability to advance our heroes, um, the, the, to advance the story of, of our of our heroes in this universe or this uh, universe, but, you know, in the galaxy. And it did so in a way that also then made some things just work better. Like yeah. when when one team arrived, the city didn't uh, uh, pop out of the out of the ocean. It 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 ended, and so you know one one dude who happened to be just the right person at the right time in Manhattan, uh, you know, had the ability to uh, control Manhattan and. <laughs> and have it it do these things like you know in that sense you know it's a little bit like as i say that out loud it's like boy talk about meeting the right people but eh, eh, whatever that's 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 hero stuff weirdly good things happen to heroes uh yeah uh, following up on that you know i it would i agree that that the original story does not need retcon um it and really and i wouldn't even call this a retcon i would just say i'm just adding a layer to things uh, so we have a fuller, deeper, broader picture of what was actually going on. Yeah. Um, and I, I find that to be brilliant here. 
um, because it's just a nice little touch of things that just broadens the original um, without destroying what happened there or totally rewriting what happens there. Yes. Uh, and it's just often I see these little kind of details uh, end up being almost abusive to the original thing that they're trying to fix or, or tweak or change. Yeah. Um, and this was just soft and subtle and and just added richness and depth without being, you know, yeah. But also consider this. It's all those things while also technically being a cudgel because what happened? Well, you got the cudgel of uh, A didn't work, so bang, back in time B change thing like like it, like on one hand it's actually very brute how you know the story that was told to us uh indicates that atlantis wasn't originally going to be all you know like you know ice cream and 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 flowers for people when they got there it had to be adjusted so that it could do that that that's 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 pretty blunt that's not subtle that's not like you know a couple of delicate hints placed here and there that suddenly realize make you realize that the that the scale was tipped in a way to be predisposed to that. No, it was it was sure. literally like, oh no, we're gonna we're gonna turn this into a in, in, into a into a welcome mat for you guys. But then it was said, it was told in such a way that you didn't feel like it went bonk bonk at all. Like it did not feel bonk bonk. It felt yeah. authentic. It felt very natural. It felt like a really obvious thing. Like that makes sense and. And it worked and it and and it was and and in another sense, it was delicate. It was like, OK, we're not going to change everything about this situation, but we are going to change two key facts. One, we're going to change how the power gets drained and which still technically raises some questions in my mind, but whatever. And two, not enough to derail it. And two, we're going to uh, tweak it so that the only people who can come by are from this one gate. And when it happens, these things will occur. That's it. Yeah. That's all we yeah. do. And of course, all of like that whole idea stuff didn't come from our hero. It came from Janice. Yes. Right? Janice, uh, who is clearly some uh, a dreamer and an idealist in some yep. fashion. Yep. Um, and, and when he sees this time traveling proof that the city is going to last 10,000 years... Yeah. He gets excited. And then when he hears the tale of how it is destroyed, he is uh, devastated. Mm -hmm. And then he's like, but I can change things. Yeah. I can tweak it so that, that uh, this new iteration of us, because here's his idealism, will get a better chance. And I can't fix it for this weir, but I can fix it for the future weir mm -hmm. uh, and her team. And, you know, I mean, it's just... I, I hear your point about it. It, I mean, the the plot points are cudgelisk. Yes, uh, but the the story is done in such a way that it just uh, is is smooth. Oh yeah, it's velvety smooth. It, they did a really good job with it. I really liked, and I keep gushing about it because what I'm gushing about is the storytelling, how yeah. they told the story is just art. It was so good. It was so good. And then, I mean, add in a couple of technical great, like there was that one, that, that one shot, um, our weir is, is pushing old weir on a wheelchair. 
and they walk into the gate room and the camera starts over the shoulder of Tori Higginson. And you can see her Mm -hmm. and there's somebody sitting in the chair and it's obviously a double. And then it starts to move. It moves past her. It starts following a man as he walks up the stairs. So he's he's in frame when it starts. He's walking. He's looking at our heroes. He's walking up the stairs. The camera stays on him as it turns and then ends with Tori Higginson in makeup in the chair. Yeah, that was I looked at that one. I was just like, dang, whoa, that was a good one. Like, I'm not sure actually how they got that cut done. Like, it reminds me. It reminds me of the cut that you see in the first scene or one of the first scenes of Serenity, where, I mean, they go like 15 minutes with all one scene. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, but there's actually a very subtle cut where they go down a hallway and they kind of make a very sharp turn around that hallway, uh, yeah. a corner, and and it's just in that brief moment as... As they're going down that corner and they're focusing in on the wall and they make that short churn, uh, there is actually a cut there. But as you watch it, you can't tell. Yep. Uh, and it's that just kind of smooth editing process there. That is a whip cut. And you can have a lot of fun with whip cuts. Um, so, you know, friends try this out sometimes. So, so it, it's best done with with someone else. So what you do is that you... Is that you get you get yourself and your friend t- probably in a hallway. That's probably the best the best place to do it. And um, turn on the turn on the the light on your camera because that'll help. So turn on the light and you just start recording your friend and and you say hi, hello. And then what you're gonna do is that you are going to quickly turn with your camera. You just get, you're just gonna turn around and you're gonna turn and face the other direction. But what you're gonna do is that you are going to intentionally hold your camera level, and if you pass it, uh. You know, as you're turning around, it, like intentionally pass it maybe a foot or so away from the wall, but, but do it rel- relatively quickly. Like, you know, do a good quick turn around, turn around. Great. Stop. Then have your friend get behind you in, in the other space and then face the original direction. Hit record. Do it again. Light on and just turn around and then record your friend. Hello. And then you take those two clips. And what you do is that as you're turning, when if you can figure out more or less where you are like midway on your turn in the hallway, that's your cut point. And you put those two, but you put, but those end to end like that, it looks completely seamless. And your friend looks like they've teleported from one end of the hallway to the other. Like it just, it, 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 it works every time. Like it's super fun. You can have a lot of fun with that. This one that I'm talking about, this slow pan, uh, the slow pan and dolly and turn. Um, I think what they did is that they filmed, uh, Current Higginson and uh, open or it, 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 maybe what is going on? My sorry, something I think I probably accidentally triggered Siri somehow. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> I think they recorded current Tory and man walking up the stairs and body double, and then they tracked the same shot with nobody like in the shot, same lighting and everything, and ended with Tory and makeup. And then when you overlay those two scenes together, then it wouldn't. Then, then you wouldn't necessarily need to make a cut, I don't think. But I'm actually not sure. As I say that, maybe maybe somebody who does film production might might know and pop it in the Discord. But yeah, I I need to rewatch it to be able to 
suss that out again. Oh yeah. And, but it was really and, good. And, and, yeah. It was really good. So um anything else you need to share? I don't know. I, I don't know if there's much else to say for like I think the story was just delicate and wonderful, and I think that the production was really, really, really good, and I had a great time watching this one. <laughs> like, I, I really did. That's all I have to say about that. All right. Well, then, how many chevrons? I mean, it's got to be a seven for me. I mean, like, I'm not sure that it's going to be a seven for everyone, right? Like, I can respect how somebody might not necessarily have as much fun with how the story was told as I did. But boy, I had a lot of fun with how the story was told. And then I also had a lot of fun with how the show was created in order to sell that story. And then I really enjoyed the story that was told just in general. Like, like any of those things were off by a smidge and I probably would have been a lot harsher on it, maybe even in like the five, four range, right? Because this thing, like I said, it was delicate, but they did such an exquisite job with it that it was, it was harmonious and it was and it was carefully crafted and as a result there's a 43 minutes of television storytelling that is probably some of the best television storytelling that i have seen like it's just Mm. perfect it was just just exactly right was this life-altering television no 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 was this something that changed my mind or changed my way of perceiving how storytelling no it wasn't even that but was it like going to a restaurant and ordering a cheeseburger and having them get like every single part of that thing correct? Like it, to the point you're just like, whoa, this is really good. Yeah, it, it's pretty much like that. This was like one of the best cheeseburgers I've ever had in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> what about Put that you? On a poster. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think I of this sleep, episode? The best cheeseburger I've ever had. <laughs> So, yeah, I've been trying to kick around where I want to put this episode in ratings. Um, It's not a fast-paced episode. No. um, Which is really easy to get wrong. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Especially for somebody I've just been, you know, busy lately, um, which means... My ability to focus on things that aren't a little bit frenetic is hard. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, but it held my inter- interest, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's, just, I, it's just a good episode. Yeah. I think, I think that I'm going to also give it a seven. Yeah. Um, I, I'm I- trying to, you know, I was trying to think I, I, where, where to put it, and, and I don't know for sure. So, but it's just, I can't. I can't find anything where I would knock it. Right? No. Um, yeah. And and that's the thing. It's like, um, you know, there are some episodes where, you know, by all rights it shouldn't, but it just rises up and it does. Yeah. Uh, and this is an episode that just kind of sits there where it is, and by all rights there should be something that drops it down, but I can't find it. I agree. I I think that it that. I think it might just be a, how is it striking you now? And I think it did everything right. I, I yeah. can see how somebody else could disagree and not be completely nuts about it. But like, I think it did really well. Well, if they think that, then, then that's their opinion. It's not mine. That's like their opinion, man. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Right. So anybody else? So, Zach, have you seen um, The Big Lebowski? Uh, I have 
but it's been like zillions of years. If I say coffee can ashes, does that does that say anything to you? No. Okay, I, fine. I, don't don't stress it. But for those of you who know what I'm talking about with the coffee can and the ashes, I like I I thought that th- that was probably about the closest it got to being uh dinged in my book when when um uh Elizabeth was scattering the ashes of old Elizabeth. Mm. But uh but but that was that 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 didn't diminish it. It was still a fun time. Okay. Um I think it's time to look at our uh, predictions because we yes. have people who are sharing uh, their thoughts on this episode as well. Got to find him now. Oh yeah, you yeah. Do you want me to do Discord first? Well, you get to because you got a lot harder work to do with futzing around and out on your phone. Um, you know, I I do this on my I, I do the Facebook stuff on my phone anyway. I'm, oh, I've never mind. Here. I've got it here. Okay. All right, we'll start with Sean. Hi, Sean. Sean says I watched before I sleep before I slept a few weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. Before I slept many years ago, I loved this episode. It sheds light on the puddle jumper that SG-1 found a few episodes ago. Yeah, that's And this right. is now the third actress playing Dr. Weir. Although, did Tori Higginson voice old Weir? Yes. Uh, it certainly sounded like her. Spoiler. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll skip that one. This is one of my favorite episodes of season one and gets a seven Chevron rating from the guys oh. and a seven Chevron rating from me too. Sean got it. Good job, Sean. Good job, Sean. Uh, Sean does have some fun facts. We'll yes. see if these facts are fun. <laughs> there was a, there was some small, there was a small potted tree at the bottom of the stairs in the gate room when the last of the Lanteans left, but it is not there when the expedition arrived from Earth. Ah. Obviously, the tree died in the intervening millennia. The only explanation for the pot's absence is that Weir took it upon herself, either before entering the stasis or during one of her revival periods, to get rid of it. Yep. Yep. That only makes sense. Uh, and then to protect Weir and the city, Janice locked all planets' access to dial into the Atlantis Stargate except Earth. This is a previously unknown gate function and may be unique to the advanced Atlantis Stargate. Yeah. This has not been mentioned since, and obviously other planets can dial into Atlantis now. Mm-hmm. True. True. Uh, next we have Kim. Hi, Kim. Kim says... This has always been one of my top five episodes, mm-hmm. but as many times as I've watched it, I do not remember how she got to the past, so I guess I need to rewatch it again. Uh-huh. The makeup artist did a really swell job, and Tori did a good job differentiating from one weird to another. Yep. I give this episode a six Chevron score. Yeah. Zach will give it a 6.5, and Brent a seven. Yeah, super Very close, close yes. Kim. Um, and then let's see here. Uh, Sean and Kim have a fun little conversation there about stuff. Very I'm nice. not going to deal with that right now. Uh, next we have Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Those are from last time. Kevin, yeah. you got your dupe dupes. You got it. He got his dupes. Does he get a second round of dupes? I don't know. I haven't read the... Let me read it. Let's find out. 
Hi, Zach. Hi, Brent. I'm ex- Hi, so excited that you are watching one of my favorite Atlantis episodes. Yeah. I've been waiting for this one ever since I decided to start rewatching along with you in season five of SG-1. Wow. Wow. Even though I was excited, I didn't forget to take some notes. Uh-huh. Yep. All right. Number one. I have to get this lady's skincare routine because she looks great for being over 10,000 years old. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Uh, number two, why was McKay giving Shepard the side eye? He was the one being antagonistic toward the ancient in Sanctuary. Hmm. Hmm. Number three, I love the reuse of the footage from the pilot combined with the new footage that shows things slightly different. Uh, it totally helps sell the time travel narrative. Yeah. Yes. Number four, this episode proves that deep down, despite outward appearances, McKay truly is a hero. Mm-hmm. Yep. Number five, I think it's safe to say that when Janice gets back to the Milky Way galaxy, he disobeys the Council's orders again. Cough, waiting Brady episode, cough. I, <laughs> yeah, okay. We're going to keep going. Number six. <laughs> yeah. Moros. I deem that little bit sufficiently spoilery to stop. Uh-huh. Number six. Okay. okay. Moros seems to be really stick. Uh, so Moros seems what? to be a real stick in the mud. Kind of like Brent's ratings with some of the listeners' favorite episodes. Yes. That's why I liked him. There you go. All right. As I said earlier, this is one of my favorite episodes. And that is why I'm doing something I've never done before. I give this episode nine chevrons. <laughs> nine is a big number. <laughs> nine is a big number. Uh, without spoiling it too much, Brent, theoretically, you can get to nine chevrons, but we won't know that for a very long time. Sure. And I'm predicting a seven from both Zach and Brent. And Got more dupes. Adored it even half as much as I do. Well done. That might be the first time anybody's gotten two dupe dupes in one episode. That I think it is the first time somebody got two dupes in one episode. Um, now, okay, we have Rowan next. Hi, Rowan. Rowan says, while searching Atlantis, Shepard and his team make an amazing discovery. It's an old woman. <laughs> but yep. it's not just any old woman. It's a future version of Dr. Weir. Yeah. Except she's from version. the past. Yeah. <laughs> she's here to tell everyone how they all died when they first came to Atlantis, except they didn't. Uh, is this Eclipse episode? Sort of. Mm-hmm. Time travel. Mm-hmm. Rewriting history. Paradox. Shenanigans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How does this even work? Apparently, we don't care and <laughs> won't be asking any follow-up questions as long as it gets us some more ZPMs. That's right. Dr. Weir ends the episode by scattering her own ashes from the gift of Shepherd, from the gift Shepherd got her. Yeah. That, which that was, is a yeah. pretty strange way to mark one's birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday. It's not wrong. Dead me. <laughs> Uh, They continue. Yeah. The idea of encountering an aged version of one of our familiar characters is kind of neat, but apart from that, this episode falls kind of flat for me. Okay. Brett will be annoyed by the time travel paradox and will only give it a three. 
Zach will be slightly more charitable and give it a three and a half. Yeah. This episode has an IMDb rating of 8.1, which is five chevrons, putting it in the top 25% of Stargate episodes overall. Yeah. 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 No, I I, I liked it. So, but Rowan's right. Like, as I mentioned, if they had screwed parts of it up, like I wouldn't be anywhere close to as happy with this thing. Like it was, it was, it was real thin ice that they were on, but they, I thought they did a great job. Uh, I, I will just make a quick comment about the time travel shenanigans and such uh, with this episode. Um, yeah. We talk about in this episode that the multiverse theory exists, which means things that everything that can happen does happen in a different universe. Yeah. Okay. And now we've already established in Stargate that we have this time travel thing that it is possible to... Um, jump between universes in some capacity. Yep. Uh and so I would liken this use of of uh time travel shenanigans to that similar to uh Infinity War and Endgame where if you travel back in time you're not actually traveling back to your own time you're actually traveling to a different universe and yeah. you're fussing with that and uh you know so technically, the weir that we run into is the weir from a an alternate yeah. universe yeah. that uh, uh, does make your head spin a little bit. But uh, uh, in terms of the the past capacity of time travel shenanigans, this works a lot better than most. Which makes me wonder if I haven't seen it yet, but if if somebody's taking the time to go through the Back to the Future story, and instead of assuming it's all the same universe, like try to try to figure out how many different parallel universes were engaged in that story probably like seven or eight. <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that, that's that's just weird and i think that one just has holes in it it's a great story and a fun oh, I story, love that story. And i love back to the future oh yeah uh, but i but think it's just full of holes don't uh, don't go look into it for any kind of like solid scientific evidence of anything no don't no. yep so those are our Facebooks. Uh, what do we got nice. on the Discords? On the Discords, we have JD. Hi, JD. Hi, JD. This episode, says JD, I have complicated feelings about. I love the idea of going back in time and that everything that's happened is predicted on this. Predicated on this, sorry. Everything that's happened is predicated on this. I messed around with the math once I figured if every hundred years she had to wake up for an hour to recalibrate those stones... Even over 10,000 years, she'd only be in her early 60s, assuming Weir is currently in her early 40s, so the crazy old lady thing is a bit out there. But I like it otherwise. I'll say six for me, five and a half for Zach, and I'm going on a limb for of six for Brent, too. So, pretty close. Uh, well, you know, we were on the high end, yeah. Yeah. Um, to, again, dress, JD, address your concern, like, I think what they 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 imply this, and they do kind of say it, but it's it it's moved through. Is that while she's in the pod, she is actually still continuing to age, but at a slow rate. There is a lovely little conversation that follows uh, on Discord in the predictions channel. So jump in there and take a look at what that's what is said with that. I mean, okay. not you right now, but like you know, everyone everyone later. That's exactly parts of the conversation that's going on. All, All right. right. You, you ready? I'm ready. Here comes Jen. Hi, Jen. Hi, Jen. How come that Stargate episodes always get better towards the end of the season? 
I'm still unsure whether I'm slowly warming up to Atlantis, but I start to enjoy the episodes more and more. Before I Sleep is an episode that surprised me with its emotional hook. So far, Elizabeth Weir is the one character that I can relate to the most, and Tori herself looks pretty much like a younger version of my mom, which influenced my personal experience of the episode even more. Story-wise, this episode is an important one. I mean, we've got ourselves a time machine. Let's see how this plays out. Decides not to elaborate due to spoilers. Thanks, Jen. I particularly appreciate the way that the episode fleshed out Weir's character. Her quiet demeanor stands opposite John Shepard's loud action hero status. Many times, the quiet, gentle voices of reason are largely overlooked, whilst the loud, boisterous egos take center stage. Before I Sleep shows why she rightfully leads the Atlantis expedition. On a more personal note, with Elizabeth facing the death of her old self, the whole episode reminded me of my life lately, coming face-to-face with your own mortality while someone is in, while someone that is a spitting older image of yourself is battling for their life. So the episode left me with an unexpected emotional impact and hit right into the feels. Ouch. Mm. Rating-wise, this is a seven out of eight chevrons. It pushed all my buttons, even if it's solely based on personal reasons. I will always love the soft-spoken, gentle voices of reason, so Dr. Weir is the kind of leader I look up to. I believe that especially Zach might have a soft spot for Dr. Weir's quieter, but no, no less powerful character. He also knows of the impacts of the other episodes. Not spoiling here. Thanks, Jed. He will rate Before I Sleep a six and a half out of eight chevrons. Mm. Brent will give this a five out of eight chevrons because he's critical towards time traveling episodes. Or he just had a particularly good bagel and then he'll go for a six out of eight chevrons. <laughs> very, very close. Very, very close. Thank you, Jen. Uh, and then there you, is Jen. just saying before you I said I had a quick had a conversation here or thought there. Um and I mentioned I meant, wanted to say this when I was talking about my comments, but I forgot because things spun. But I really did appreciate the the leadership that Weir conveys in this episode, right? She listened to everybody and she says, Okay, we're going to uh, revive her. And then, of yeah. course, Beckett is like, but, 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 and she's like, that's my call. We're doing it. And he's like, okay, moving yep. on. And he yep. goes on, you know, and I just appreciate uh, there have been a lot of episodes so far when what we've got from Weir is, I need to say something uh, opposite of what uh, Shepard or somebody else says. And then they convince me, and I'm like, okay, fine, we'll just do what they say. And this is yeah. an episode where she takes, uh, takes charge, and she she runs with it, and it's done very, very well. Uh, I I appreciate Jen's comments there. Yeah, uh, and I wanted to echo that. So there you go. Excellent. Uh, we've got. Um, I don't know if I know this person. So it's so the handle's Dare High, and I can't remember who Dare High is. Oh, I, I can't know. remember. I can't but remember. Dare High. Hello. Hello, Dare High. Hi, Dare High. Uh, hi, Dare High. Oh, gosh. Sorry. Anyway, um, well, Jen about made me cry with facing mortality and her life experience. Thoughts to you, Jen, so I'll keep this brief. I like this episode. Time travel always is a bit suspect, but this episode has few problems related to it. What I like best is how much it allows for future episodes. A list of planets with potential ZPMs. Cha-ching, but does it end up helping? Time will tell. I give this episode six Chevron rating for its backstory and future potential. Zach, five and a half. Brent, five. 
even though they tend to just not like Atlantis as much as SG One. Cough, they're wrong. Cough. I will. They, they will appreciate this episode. <laughs> very, very good. Sean is in this channel with some unanswered questions. I'll invite people to go jump in there to take a look and read through that. Uh, Philip is on here. Hi, Philip. Hi, Philip. Is this a new? I think, I think it might be. I, Hello, Philip. Welcome. welcome. Uh, Philip says, I just started watching, so I don't know how much of you guys, uh, how, how you guys rate yet. However, let's say five for both of you. Uh, and then a couple of, uh, couple of, of, of ponderances. Yeah. I wonder who put the dust covers on the control panels in the other timeline. Yeah. And, uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. Right. Like we see alternate. weir put the dust covers on for, for our weir, but who put the dust covers on for alternate weir? We also see the McKay that does care about people and not just himself. Exactly. Yeah. All right. We got Jenny. Hi, Jenny. Hi, Jenny. I predict a seven from Brent. Oh, and a 6.5 for Zach. So oh, close. So close. So close because storyline furthers character development and gives us a peek at an Atlantis inhabited by the ancients. Tori Higginson did a fantastic job in this episode playing both Weir and her older self. I love how the story both begins and ends with scenes of Elizabeth on the balcony. Oh, yeah. That's a good yeah. visual motif. Oh, yeah. That last scene of Shepard coming into Consoler and she's like, I need some more time. But uh, it also... What, it, yeah, go ahead. That was just a moment. I'm like, oh, that, that, that hit me in the feels. Yeah. Um, because that was, I mean, it's just one of the things <sighs> that I'm learning how to do is to ask for what I need in terms of space around emotions. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. You know, and, and uh, my experience of humans in general is that we have a very hard time doing that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know if that's a human thing or if it's a cultural thing or whatever or not, but it seems to be true. Um. And here we just see her. She's like, okay, I'm going to do this. And she's like, nope, I need more time. Give yep. me a little more time. And Shepard yep. is just right there and says, absolutely, take what you need. And then yep. he moves on. Yep. Uh, I love that. Yep. Me too. And I'm, and I'm also now nerding out over the uh, visual art aspect of it. I'm pretty sure that the shots are identical in Mirror. I think it opens over, over her shoulder. And then cuts to, uh, uh, you know, looking at her as Shepard walks in and, you know, she's out here for the fresh air. And it ends with uh, looking at her and Shepard. And then she says, I just need a moment and then goes over her shoulder uh, mm. from a book point of view. Wow. Super good. Super good. All right. Uh, Jenny continues. Uh, I love how the story both begins and ends with scenes of Elizabeth on the balcony. At the start, we find out she is hiding her birthday from the rest of the team. And at the end, we watch Weir sprinkle her ashes of her older self over the city using the very container she received as a birthday present from Shepard. Yep. Super good. All right. That's all we've got on the discords. Thanks, everybody. I appreciate that quite a lot. What do we got um, in the emails? We do have a couple of emails. Yeah. Um, we have Lydia Ann. Hi, Lydia Ann. Lydia Ann says, I love, a I love a love story about a woman who loves her work. Mm-hmm. And when faced with the events we're hoped for in Rising, a city full of ancients who invite her to live with them, unfortunately on Earth of her past, she chooses to stay on Atlantis and safeguard the city for the arrival of her expedition. Mm-hmm. I love what we learn about Weir's character. Her commitment to leadership is matched by the commitment to be of service to others. The power of working on faith 
in the hope that the future will be better than the past. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Brent will give this yeah. a six. No, I'm sorry. I said that earlier. Brent will yep. give this a seven. Ah. I just can't. I'm, I'm getting texts <laughs> and it's messing me up. <laughs> Brent will give this a seven. Yes. And Zach will also give it a seven, which means Lydia and you get a. Good job, Lydia Ann. We've had a lot of dupe dupes today. Well, it's a good episode. It is a good episode. And finally, we have David. Hi, David. So he says, I've been in this Chevron encoding bias buffer 10,000 years. Oh, no. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, plot note slash clarification. The Lantians on Atlantis are not, are and are not the ancients. The right. Alterans came to our galaxy 75-ish million years ago after fleeing their own home galaxy because of Redacted. They did stuff, ailed, ate, allied, there it is, with the Furlings, but star built Stargates and then started ascending. A plague went through our galaxy and the Alterans ran away again, at least those that did not ascend. They came to the Pegasus galaxy to the Atlantis planet, Lantia, and started to rebuild again and did some more ascending. Then the Wraith happened, which may or may not have been their fault. After this episode, the Alterans slash Ancients ran away again and returned to Earth to try and quote-unquote blend in. Yeah. Basically, their history is one of building up stuff, getting scared, and running away to start over. Yes. <laughs> That's actually super helpful. Yeah. For more of that story, go back and listen to The Other Side of the Gate, number eight. Ah, that's fun. Yeah. So, why did I write that out again? I wanted to, I guess. <laughs> Plus, it helps with the timeline and maybe has something with SG-1 seasons 9 and 10. So, I mean, anyway, sure. This episode. Using time travel to solve a problem they invented for this story, interesting concept. Yeah. The only real plot hole it fills is the one from It's Good to be King, as we now have a potential understanding of where that time machine came from. Yes. Sure, there's still another massive plot hole there, but that's not what we are here for. Right. Yeah. This is an interesting story in mainly how it, feel, how it fills in some blanks. Story-wise... None of it needed to happen for us. But seeing how slash why the Lantians came back to Earth is interesting. The story is told well, and there's really nothing wrong with it. But it's also not top-tier Stargate, in my opinion. Mm. It makes some of the other episodes better, but on its own, it's just an average plus episode. Mm -hmm. Brent, yeah. five chevrons for convenient time travel as the solution to all of our problems. It's always so convenient. Zach, five and a half chevrons for convenient time travel to cause and solve all of Brent's <laughs> plot problems. Uh, well, I liked it more uh, than that, but that makes sense. We liked it more than that. Yep. Those are our uh, predictions. Very nice. Thank you, everybody. Yes. The next episode, Brent. Yes. Uh, is uh, entitled Reckoning. It's actually a two-part episode. Aha! Uh -huh, okay. And we will watch both parts. Uh-huh. Yep. Okay. As one. Okay. So I ask you, what is Reckoning? This is an SG-1 episode, by the way. Yeah. 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 
What is, is reckoning. reckoning all about? Uh, reckoning. All right. Next time on Stargate SG-1. The SG-1 team travels through the gate to find themselves on a strange world. It's a world of hope and promise, but it is a world hiding a secret. This possible secret. No, definite secret. I said it hides a secret. This secret is the key for them to finally get the Pegasus to being able to travel. Not the Pegasus. The Prometheus to be able to travel all the way to the Pegasus galaxy without breaking down or having other issues or getting waylaid by by. Uh, Gould. No, this is this is the key to true intergalactic travel. But the secret also comes at a steep price. You see, they bring the technology back to the SGC, and as they are analyzing it for inclusion into the Prometheus, weird things start happening on the base. First, it was small potatoes. Like, literally, the little, like, you know, the baby potatoes at the cafeteria, they started to kind of, like, fall apart uh, inexplicably. They turned, they turned slightly mashed without the cooks doing anything about it. That was weird. And then that was weird. It turned into slightly larger things, like equipment starting to suddenly kind of fail at it, strange intervals, because it shouldn't necessarily fall apart this fast. This episode follows... I like how I'm coming up with this idea as I'm coming along. So I'm going to this episode is following the plight of Sergeant Siler as he goes around trying to fix this thing. It is. He just fixed this just last week and yet it's already broken down. This is strange. And as he's going around, things seem to get worse. The problems seem to escalate. The, sh- the, 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 the base is literally falling apart all around him. Can this technology actually be harnessed and used in the Prometheus in time to get it to the Pegasus galaxy before everything breaks apart? Or is this indeed where everything gets wrecked in the reckoning? Reckoning? Wreck? Wreck? Reckoning? Yep, yep. Wreck- yep oh, jeez. Yep. Join us next time on Stargate SG-1. What the more re- did you want? Reckoning. I wanted a hearty guffaw. <laughs> you really think I'm going to give that a hearty guffaw? <laughs> I thought it was mildly clever. Oh, sure. I'll, I'll give it to you. Mild, mild cleverness. So, mild uh, cleverness. So, is this, this episode going to be mildly clever, or is it going to be? Is it going to be? Is it going to be earth shattering, like a different um, kind of wreck? So, I, I remember my general feelings about this episode. Yeah. Right. And I won't talk about that too much, but I don't remember. And I remember some of the things, the details about it, but, but I, there's a lot of this that I don't remember. Okay. So this is like almost your first time watching it. Sort of. Oh, it's, it's hardly the first time watching it, but it just, it's been a while. So like, it's going to be one of those things that as soon as I start watching, I'll be like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But I just can't like, like, Recall bring it. those files up to the the active memory at this point. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's tough to reckon. Storage. Yes, it, mm-hmm. it, it's it's hard to reckon all of that. Yes, yeah. All right. Uh, and anyway, and what I said what was apropos is uh, we just got a text message from David yes, saying, "I saw. Dang it! I sent the wrong reckoning promo. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. I reordered the last things in the last minute thing. It's fine. I reordered like, things Gah! last minute. Yeah. Oh, okay." All right. Well, it'll yeah. be fine. So, I'm confident. It'll be fine. It's fine. Anyway, I'll I'll even text that to him right now. It's 
fine. And now, as he's listening to our episode, he will know that we are at this point when he got that text. And there you go. Yep. Uh, and dear listeners, as you were listening to this, I did post uh, this promo onto the discords. So if you want to hit play when I hit play, you can. And that moment is now. Oh, do it again. I wasn't ready. <laughs> oh, come on. I was trying to throw things for a loop. I know. And you totally threw me for a loop. Okay. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Uh, I, I got to reset it. I know. I know. I'm sorry. All right, Brent. <laughs> are you ready? I am ready. <laughs> okay. I'm hitting play now. Next time on Stargate SJ. Oh, They've no. An all out attack on the gold. If the gold can't find a way to stop, the replicators will easily overrun our galaxy in a matter of weeks. Yeah, no. Oh, no. Uh oh, oh, no. Oh, no. The final conflict approaches as all forces rally to make a last stand against the replicators. Really? Okay. And you're telling me this. Yeah, why? Humans, go old. Oh no! Asgard. Oh no! All fighting for control against the replicators. Who lives, who dies, and what enemy remains? That's a good question. Uh oh, it's dear. all next time on Stargate oh, no. SG-1. Oh, oh, I've seen that face before. <laughs> wow, okay, this looks like a big deal. Uh, it does. Uh-huh, uh-huh, I'm, I'm pretty dang excited. Yeah, so, um... I can't say anything. <laughs> You're just stuck, eh? <laughs> well, anything I say will end up in some manner yeah. falling into the spoilery category. So then just don't say it. That's really exciting. Even that, even that is spoiling it. That's a good point. Hey, thanks, friends. Thanks, David, for sending us that promo. That was really awesome. Super excited. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, <laughs> So, taking tell us my what last you think. bit, which is fine. You go right ahead. You just go ahead. Go okay, on. Okay, you can. You just just tell us. Just tell us what you think, friends. So, so what do we get right? What do we get wrong? Did you think that uh, that this episode was uh, was better than seven, or what? Or did you think that we we're kind of goofy for giving it that? Let us know. You can email us at walking through the stargate at gmail. No, at yeah, yeah, walking through the stargate at gmail dot com. That's w l k i n g t h r u g h e h e s t a r g g a t e j v j j k j j j j j j j j you can also go to the Facebook and the, and, and the discords and all of those fun things and, and, and just, just have some fun with this because this is great. And uh, thanks for listening. And I don't remember what I say anymore at the end because I'm all flustered. You say see you next time and I say bye. See you next time. <laughs> bye. <laughs> okay, bye everybody. <laughs> <laughs>